everybody, and welcome to the Serverless Mindset Podcast, episode number nine, where today I'm joined by Alex, Alex Kearns. He is a fellow AWS community builder, as well as a lead consultant at Inner Wisdom here in the UK. And Alex, it's such a pleasure to have you on board. Uh, why don't you, uh, I mean, I've said a couple of things already, why don't you quickly introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, great. Thank you for thank you for having me. Um, I've been working with with AWS Tech for probably five or six years now. Um, really starting to use it just before I left university, um, and then gradually using it more and more through various jobs. Um, up to the point now where, as a consultant, obviously advising businesses large and small on how to make the most of AWS, as in the wisdom, particularly around machine learning and data. Excellent. Fantastic. Yeah, that sounds uh, sounds super interesting. And um, yeah, I'm sure you're going to have a few opinions on the topic today. Uh, so what we're going to be talking about today is uh, we're going to take a look at some of the services that were launched at reInvent. Uh, but because it's now been, what, like over a month and a half, really, uh, by the time we're recording this. Uh, so, and also... The other thing I should say is that the two of us, we probably, we, we like sort of the world of serverless. And so we, like probably a lot of people at reInvent, you know, you go there, you listen to this flurry of, of, of announcements, but really, really you're interested in just a few, right? And in our case, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be the ones that impact sort of uh, serverless and maybe kind of more broadly some elements of cloud architecture. And so uh, we, 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 we've we've decided to go through four services in particular that were announced at reInvent, and uh, with Alex, we'll we'll sort of talk about so very briefly what they are. But also, given that it's now been, as I said, about a month and a half afterwards, we've both had, in, in, in most cases at least, we've both had a chance to play and even in some cases see some of these services uh, be deployed to production and potentially being used by people by other people, by our, by our users or whoever. And so we've we've got a better sense now, at least in some cases, of how these services are actually performing and behaving. So we'll tr- sort of try and go beyond just the initial opinions, you know, that were maybe uh, sort of added uh, straight after straight after reInvent now with 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 the with the luxury of a little bit of time having gone by. So the services that we sort of thought together of kind of talking about are first of all is application composer then it's code catalyst event bridge pipes and lastly event bridge scheduler so uh alex what do you think of starting from let's start with event bridge pipes how's that yeah sounds sounds great um event bridge pipes i think is a it's a really a really interesting new service um i think it it really feeds into this idea of what Amazon seemed to be trying to accomplish, which is tighter integration between their services. Uh, if you if you kind of look back to to how how AWS really came about, and even if you read from the the Wikipedia page on this is what AWS was kind of back in two thousand and two two thousand and three when it when it really first started to be thought about in Amazon, it was building blocks. It was the 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 service oriented architectures uh, where people can take these different bits and piece them together 
to create their own applications. But really, if you look at the the trend over the last couple of years, there have been more and more things where AWS are, are making it easier to have service A talk to service B without you having to write a, a custom Lambda function or having to, to piece it together yourself, which I think is really valuable. Uh, so for, for those who, who don't know or haven't seen the event uh, announcements for EventBridge Pipes, it's in summary, it really is a way to take messages from a source. So that could be could be SQS, could be uh, Kinesis Streams, anything that's real time uh, rather than batch, I would say, and deliver it to a target. So the the prime example that I would give is in the past, if you wanted to start an execution of a step function uh, based on messages coming from a queue, you would have to have a Lambda function in the middle in order to to make that jump for you. Whereas now with EventBridge Pipes, you can do that all in one service. Uh, Everything's handled for you. It's fully managed. Naturally, you you pay for, for the convenience, but it saves you building and maintaining another piece of code. That sounds great. The one that's also interesting to me is with DynamoDB as well, where before, uh, you know, before you obviously, uh, just like with SQS and the others, you, you had to go via Lambda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lambda so was your DB only streams. target. And so, yeah, and so sometimes you find yourself, uh, like, I mean, I have some 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 things I even in production at the moment that where you've got Dynamo streams hitting a Lambda, the Lambda calling event bridge, uh, triggering an event bridge event, which, and those events would then perhaps call uh, other Lambdas or whatever. Um, and that Lambda in between just feels feels like a bit of a waste. And also what you notice is that it's it's more error prone, right? Like it, it's happened to mm-hmm. me, in fact, even somewhat recently, just prior to the event bridge pipes announcement, actually, uh, that you know, I was making a change um, into one of one such lambda, one such one of those lambdas that I use for uh, you know to listen to the DynamoDB streams, and uh, I made a I made a mistake. Uh, the code was 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 broken, and all of a sudden we lost a few events. Hmm. You know, so it's just like it's, it's so easily done. Um, yeah, I, I think that. The point, the way I would, the way I would describe it is that th- there seems to be a real concerted effort from Amazon to to improve the the developer experience. So I, I think mm-hmm. you, you can never you can never really argue that the AWS is an incredibly powerful platform. Um, we, we all know that there's very little that you couldn't do one way or another. Um, more often than not, there's many many ways to do the same thing yes but i think the the interesting thing and we we can talk a bit more about this with code catalyst later is that there seems to be this real push towards we, we know we've got these powerful services how do we compete with the likes of google uh and make it easy to use um how do we make it so someone can can sign up to aws and get started straight away without having to learn mm-hmm. this is a VPC. These are the concepts yes. of availability zones and um, and uh, the core of it all 
really what what people want to do is pay for a platform and or some people want to pay for a platform there will always be the the need for for that flexibility and power but the that term that gets banded around quite a lot at, at Amazon which is the the undifferentiated heavy lifting mm-hmm. where where you want to be able to bring your application and not really worry about the rest and that i think is the the key direction of travel at the moment yes yeah, that's that's absolutely right um i think this has been almost unanimously at least from what i've seen commentary that i've seen sort of straight after reinvent uh, it seems almost unanimously people are agreeing that that is the direction of travel there with with aws so, uh, and some people would would say long overdue others would say well it was always a journey and and aws had to had to sort of figure some things out before they could get to this point um either way it, it is good to start seeing some of that especially as obviously you have a lot of as you say this 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 direct competition with the likes of google um for example who are you know at this point probably stealing stealing the um, developer experience uh yeah, kind of crown so. there yeah and it, it is i i sometimes i sometimes have these conversations where it's it's a little bit surreal where i have to find myself well i have to sort of justify or defend why we're using aws which in my mind even two three years ago would never have occurred to me it's like of course aws why what what else is there uh now it's it you know people people maybe have a, they they may have a little side project or something on google or maybe they've they've seen it seen other people using it and it's like well but google's so much easier to use and it's like yes but they have a fraction of the services maybe that works for you maybe it doesn't but i think aws is still clearly the undisputed leader but they have to sort their developer experience out uh moving forward and i think that's that's where it's really really interesting if if you look around around the decisions that google have made and the decisions that aws have made in in that direction uh an example might be uh, i think it was either last year or the year before when when google hired um forest who who used to work at yes at what was a cloud guru i think it was a now plural site was it was i'm sure it, it was uh, uh um track 10 it was a track 10 i think ah yes um and of that 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 kind of higher very specifically in the space of the the community the how do we yeah. make it easier for people to get started with our services and aws made a a, a similar hire not not massively after um which was a, a lady called uh, emily freeman who i i met at, at reinvent and had a nice conversation with her and it was interesting seeing some stuff on on twitter after reinvent about this kind of comments on the direction of travel and and how mm-hmm. aws have changed and uh, i think it was Corey quinn that actually kind of called emily out by name and said this this is the reason why and it is it is brilliant to see to see aws moving more in that direction because anything that makes them a 
an easier platform to to get started with is is 100% worth it. Yeah, definitely. And I'd say probably for for some of us who sort of have been in the in the broader cloud and AWS world for for a while and then uh, more specifically in the serverless ecosystem, I have sensed and also felt myself let's say between 2020 and 2021, maybe even 20 maybe even starting from 2019, just some general discouragement at you know the lack of developer the lack of sort of an effort in terms of developer experience as well as a sense of 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 a vision around serverless that was sort of getting lost right with with even services and we could talk about that probably if, if we get into it's, that we we'll probably podcast. never end but <laughs> it's a whole podcast exactly but you know there is that whole conversation which is still very much alive on you know what is what 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 is serverless even right like how do you even describe it and aws they've definitely you know more recently launched services that they have branded as serverless which not all, not probably most of us in this in the og serverless community wouldn't necessarily agree that those services qualify as serverless as such not least because they don't scale down to zero but i have definitely sensed a uh, uh, or I had been sensing sort of some some discouragement uh, within the serverless community uh, up until this reinvent, and it it has really been just refreshing, especially mm-hmm. I think yeah. after Werner Vogel's keynote, just to see a whole new direction of travel. And again, in the services that we're talking about in, in this podcast, yeah, they they I think they are a te- whether they are they perfectly achieve that or not is 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 debatable, but they are a testament I think to to this this new direction of travel with just to wrap up on event bridge pipes what what would you what would you improve there what 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 would be your constructive criticism <laughs> it's it's a really hard question cuz when when you've kind of prompted me with this prior to the podcast to to have a little bit of a think about it it's it's something that i i really have struggled to to come up with anything which is is unlike unlike me um I can normally find a find something that that can be improved, but for for a service that has just been released, uh, in comparison to to how we see some services that have come out of AWS as soon as they go um, GA, mm-hmm. I when I tried it out, I I don't think I could have from a, from a technical perspective, I don't think I could have asked for an awful lot more. Uh, the, the logical progression, I think, will be more sources and more targets within AWS to, to deepen that integration between different things. And I think that will come with, with time. Perhaps the option to have maybe some third-party sources, perhaps. Um, if you could say, if you could integrate it with maybe somewhere like AppFlow is a uh, a, a service it would work well with to say, when this event happens in my third-party SaaS product, I want you to do something and run it through EventBridge pipes to go to my target. That would be mm-hmm. quite cool. I, I think the the only thing I could say right now is documentation. I think right. the the best documentation that I found on it was actually on the the serverless land website from the developer advocate team rather than the official. Uh, AWS docs and that I think the hardest part was 
around kind of the IAM policies and and those bits where yes. nowhere really in the documentation did it say like this is the the service principal name to to start writing your own role. Yeah. So if you want to start from from CloudFormation, you can, but you either have to build it in the console first and then reverse engineer it or have examples in the community. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, I, I noticed that too. So, I mean, for me, like in terms of Vanbridge pipes, I, when it was launched, I had, I, I had a use case that I just straight away for something that we currently have in production that I knew we, I knew we could turn around and use and introduce Vanbridge in, instead. And what I immediately realized is that there was no CloudFormation support when it was launched. Uh, this seemed to be a pattern. I even noticed, I, I brought it up, I think on Twitter and other people did too. And there was a bit of a, I noticed several people know, uh, sort of were bringing this up as, as well, which is there was, there seemed to be this pattern, uh, this uh, around reInvent where services were being launched and only several days later, in some cases, even a week or two later, mm-hmm. CloudFormation support would be, would be released. Just like I mean, okay, fair enough. Obviously, you wanna you wanted to make the announcement in time for reinvent. Uh, appreciate that, and obviously, you know, you don't expect people to have a ready for ready a use case ready to yeah, go yeah. Uh, straight away. But it it kind of killed my enthusiasm. There I was like, okay, well then we're not going to be able to do that now, so we're gonna have to do this the old way. And so it might be a couple of months before we have another use case for it. Uh, so that was. Uh, I think it's uh, yeah. It's 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 tricky because you that there must be cases where services have been developed in the run up to reinvent and the the choice is either we announce it or we don't announce it. Um, yes, when it comes to whether or not it has cloud formation support, um, and I think it's it's interesting in that you you can look at it as a Maybe you have a week or two to to play about with it in the console um, to kind of get the gist of how it's working. Um, we we tend to to give AWS services a few months anyway um, before we really start using them in anger. Um, one to experiment and learn about them because you you always find find quirks in things, but also just to to let any bugs and stuff settle down. Um, yeah that's that's fair i mean it was probably it, it was probably uh, unwise of me to even want to go to production with uh, uh something that was that had been launched the day before quite literally but uh yes i mean it, i was gonna say just just on eventbridge pipes i think it's that I, I was so i wrote a blog post about it um at the weekend was was really just impressed of how how feature rich it, it was. So I kind of counted there were were six different sources in AWS and then there were were 15 different targets you could send things through to. And then having those those four stages of this is where your message is coming from, this is how you want to yeah. to filter it. Do you want to enrich it? Do you want to send it to an API and return a result and um pass that on to your target? And it just mm-hmm. just felt like a really, really well thought out service, and that's probably the the impression I would 
it, it does. It definitely does feel well thought out, and even the, and it's the little things where even the you we've I mean we we've been talking about the lack of uh, cloud formation support initially, but I do I do appreciate the fact that in terms of the console, it does seem like the, the, there 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 seem to be a new attention to details. You notice I've noticed that across all the newer services, probably all the services that we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. on today's podcast. I've noticed quite consistently that the UI is nice. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. like it's polished, yeah. it's clean, and I know that with with the new is a Cloudscape, the new design system that AWS uh, have. Sort of, I don't even think it's that new, but I, I've only become. I think I've, I've been aware of it, or they've, they've released it more publicly, uh, publicly yeah, more they, recently. They they open sourced it, I think. Right. I think it was a couple of months before reInvent, but right, there were right, no that's, services that's using it. Um, so it got open source and they announced it as a, this is a new AWS design system. Um, and then obviously application composer comes along and it's using this, this new design system as a, almost as a standalone product. Um, it's not really a, I don't know if I could call it an AWS service in the same, in the same way. Um, Mm As I do with other things, it's it's very, yeah, very standalone, very, very much something that you you could sign up for Application Composer and then sign up for nothing else or, or use yeah, nothing interesting. else. It's interesting that you say that. Um, they, they have definitely wanted, they, you, you see that even more explicitly with, with um, Code Catalyst, right, where you, you even need to have a different... A separate login and everything. You need to use the new AWS builders uh, sign-in That's system the one I mean. and all I, that. I got my my names the way around. <laughs> oh yes, okay, okay, fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. So we're talking about the same. Thing. Uh, next week, on my crib sheet. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah. So Code Catalyst. It, no, that that is that's that's really true. And yeah. So in terms of UI, I've noticed UI UX. So I've noticed things are much cleaner, um, more thoughtfully presented even for example the and again it's little things but again going back to vanbridge pipes uh even when you go and do the um input transformer uh, if, if you go into that tab and you try and build your own transformer you've got it's just well well laid out and they even have examples there that you can look at it's just nice i remember trying to do that um i mean if you try and do that for example with standard event bridge and it's improved Mm. now but initially you didn't have any examples so you had to keep like five different tabs on your browser open uh, you know two different uh, tutorials and this this piece of documentation here and and the 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 editor the transformer input editor in front of you and you kind of had to and you just had to do trial and error until you got it right not to mention if you try and do that obviously with with uh, uh infrastructure as code but even just on the console, it just was not. It was not very clear. Like event-driven architectures is that was a, a massive theme throughout reInvent. Um, mm-hmm. This idea of, well, I mean, you, you watch uh, Vernon's keynote and the first yeah. four or five minutes being the the Matrix style um, play on the the world being asynchronous or synchronous in certain cases. And when mm-hmm. is it good for to be synchronous, and, and when is it good to be asynchronous? And EventBridge really is is key to to all of that. So it makes sense that they're investing yeah. a a lot in the 
the product and the service, but also in the the developer community part of it as well. So with kind of dedicated that's, that's right. event uh, developer advocates coming in last year, it, it really is a growing area. Yeah, that that that's a very good point. Uh, EventBridge is, I mean, EventBridge is probably my favorite service. Um, with all the, with all the, its different branches, so now including pipes and scheduler, and it is yeah, it's 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 fundamental to event driven architectures. Uh, if you want to do it sort of the the AWS way, of course you could do that with other services as well. Um, but why don't we why don't we move on to the other service that we want to talk about, which is and we can probably talk about this briefly. Um, it's not as heavy in terms of features, uh, but uh, it's 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 worth mentioning. It's the it's EventBridge scheduler. And this is, absolutely. I think technically this was a pre-invent announcement, if I remember correctly. I think it was it announced was, it a week was or the, two before. The week before, yeah. Right. So what, what, what do you make of it? So I, it, there, there are parts of it that I really like, and there are parts of it which I can see the value of, um, but I've, I've never come across a need for it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not, not a worthy feature um i just just work in a relatively niche part of of cloud consultancy so the the bits that i saw and thought straight away these are the 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 features i'm going to use every day were the the sort of step functions esque sdk integration um as soon as the sdk integrations came to step functions it was it was a big thing. It was great to again remove more Lambda code from from architectures. So having mm-hmm. that in EventBridge scheduler and being able to say, let's call this AWS API once a day, twice a day, whatever it needs to be, is a, a really, really powerful, uh, really powerful mechanism, I think, to to have in there. The the one that I don't think I will use as much, but that doesn't necessarily negate it, because I can see where people would use it was the the kind of one-off schedules. So mm-hmm. being able to say, let's create a schedule at 10 a.m. tomorrow and run a task then. It, it seems perfect for maybe like SaaS applications or or things where you, let's say someone's someone signed up to a newsletter and two days later you want to send them an email to say, kind of, you signed up two days ago and here's your your first little blast of content um mm-hmm. a nice way to do that cloud natively rather than having to have something maybe that that polls a database to check if there's any any jobs that need to run at a given time the yeah. the final feature i can can think of off the top of my head really that i actually thought this this is really it seems a small thing but actually it's a, a massive help is the ability to set schedules and say, run it in this time zone. So to be able to say, I want to run this at 9am London time every day. Because then when you get to the autumn, you haven't got to think, oh, I've got to change the schedule because the clocks are going back this week. Um, we've, we've had situations before where, for example, uh, a customer has has delivered some data, uh, but they've delivered it local time. We've then had to set up event bridge rules based in UTC and 
for half of the year, you end up two hours out to allow for enough time to for data to land to then be processed rather than getting the 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 value to the customers quicker, which is a very uh, <laughs> a very specific problem, but I'm sure there are others that will benefit from having time yeah. zone specific schedules. Yeah, I do. I do like that actually, and uh, this is actually one something that had uh, had escaped me. I, 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 either I hadn't noticed or or, uh, or I just forgotten about this this time something. Um, but it, it is interesting because it's again, it seems as though. Well, I mean, when it, when you think about Evanbridge scheduler, it's not it's not a radically new feature or anything groundbreaking, right? But it's it's nice that they've sort of. It's probably the, a common theme here with all these services that we're talking about, where they're trying to sort of abstract out some of the things that you would have done with writing your own code, right? Like, I mean, there was always a way to do cron jobs, right? So even yeah, yeah. even prior to Eventbridge, you would have done that with CloudWatch events. I mean, there was always a way for as long as I can remember. Well, I mean, certainly for a long time. But you know, in any of these scenarios, whether it's whether you're talking about uh, doing a one-off thing. Uh, as you mentioned, or whether you're talking about a having to deal with time zone specifics, as in your example, or whether and the other thing, and this this is this is the one that actually s- struck me as as quite impressive is the f- the flexible window feature that they that they've yes. got in it, which is which is quite interesting, right? So any of these things you could have done it before, one way or the other, with your custom code, you could have achieved that. But it's pretty cool that they're now saying, hey, with an extra line of of code of of you know CLI or cloud formation or whatever with an extra line here of setup or, or a checkbox if you're doing it in uh, in the console this is all done for you and it's it's not going to be nearly as error prone as any of the code that you might be manually uh, writing and I think that that's that's really good no, absolutely I think it's it's all these little these little quality of life improvements that. That when you sum them all together, makes the the platform overall a a much nicer place to to build things. True, true, and and I also think it it makes uh, and this must be something that they're thinking about. Obviously, or I imagine at least it makes for more resilient applications. Uh, you know, as you take away a lot of again these sort of bits and pieces of custom code. And you delegate that effectively to the cloud. You make for more; it, it makes for more resilient applications, uh, less error prone, and all of that. Let's move on to so we've got app, application composer and code catalyst to talk about, mm-hmm. and we will we'll try and keep it brief now as we we've been at this for a little while now. What? Which one would you would you like to start from? Uh, so I've I've had a play with with application composer, uh, kind of briefly as well as doing a bit of uh, research into it. Uh, Code Catalyst, I haven't haven't yet had time to have a a real go at it. But I don't know if, if you want to talk through through your experiences of using Code Catalyst, and then we can yeah, finish I mean, up it, with Application sh- Composer. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, incidentally, I have actually... So I've, I've been using Code Catalyst quite extensively uh, the last... Uh, couple of weeks really so not a long time but i've been building a brand new i've started sort of a brand new project on it and been using it for to manage the whole life cycle and um yeah i i've been well 
I should say, even even as it was announced, I could see that this was going to be amazing because in my mind, it makes the the my my long held dream of total cloud based development. It just makes that so much closer. This is literally, I mean, it, with Cl- with Code Catalyst, if it works, it allows you to, like, if it's true to its promise, it will allow you to do everything on the cloud, like build mm-hmm. your entire applications on the cloud. Now, is that true? Uh, does the you know, is the promise, uh, you know, that does it st- stick true to its promise? Um, I will say from just my, my limited experience the last couple of weeks, it's very powerful and it's keeping in mind that it's still in preview. It's actually quite complete in terms of feature set. Mm-hmm. It does everything that I've still not come across something that I would have wanted to do better or, or, or that's just lacking. Uh, it, it actually is doing everything I wanted to. There's only, to be honest, at this point, there's only a couple of points that I would mention that I so that I probably would improve on, which would be one is that at the moment it's only available. It seems on uh, I think the U.S. West two region, so Oregon, which means that for me, based in the U.K., it's actually it's a little bit slow. You know, it's not as responsive. The, the as I move, even as just I just move through. Yeah. Or, or try and create a ticket or anything as basic as that on, on on Code Catalyst. It's it you can see that it takes that extra it takes an extra moment there to respond. That I'm sure can be easily fixed by just as soon as they will launch into different regions. But that for me trying this in the UK, uh, I'm getting that that type of. I'm, I'm sure people in 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 the West Coast in the US are loving it and they, they don't even <laughs> notice. Um, but, to, but that would be book a holiday. Yeah, that would be one thing. The other thing is the the only other criticism I have or feedback really is is actually not strictly speaking to do with Code Catalyst, but it's to do with Cloud9. So I know that they have gone to great lengths to enable, to integrate Code Catalyst with all, well, at least all the main IDEs, including mm-hmm. Visual, Visual Studio Code, which, which is great. And, you know, and if you do that, that's fine. But I, I, I kind of feel like to... The, the, the idea of being able to use Cloud9, that, that, like that really delivers, if it works, that would really deliver the that cloud-based development dream. And I've been, I've been like, I've been trying to like force myself to use Cloud9 and I find myself during the day feeling frustrated and being like, okay, that's it. That's enough. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to Visual Studio Code. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll persevere, persevere. But it, it's, it's not complete rubbish. But it's not great, and at this point, I just wish you know that it could be a little bit better. Surely we know, like you know, goodness. I mean, just spend the day on Visual Studio Code and just flip and copy it. Just just do what it, mm-hmm. do what they're doing, right? Like it, it, surely, I'm not saying it's easy, but they've they've got the resources. I mean, Cloud Nine just feel like feels like a neglected product. Um, and I wish if that if if only that could be better. And even uh, the one thing uh, I was surprised to see that they they've even within if you use Cloud Nine within Code Catalyst they've even taken some features away. So for example, if you try and run, um, uh, let's say you're trying to run uh, your front end on 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 mm-hmm. localhost, it the preview feature which is available on standard Cloud Nine is not available on okay. Cloud Nine within Code Catalyst. Um, which is quite a big deal because it means that like if I'm making changes to the front end, then I need to 
like how do I see them in real time, right? I need to like wait for the I need to commit it and wait for four or five minutes for the the whole pipeline to complete. It's just not feasible. So what I I, I googled it and I found out somebody else online who they are using ng rock to mm-hmm. to do and it's just it's just like it's just know, an extra step isn't it it's, it's yeah that. it's like three or four extra steps on top of the of the the extra latency you know just the, the obviously when you're working with cloud nine there is that extra latency especially as it's as i said on the other side of the world for me uh, as i'm typing stuff in the terminal it's not as response as responsive as as it would be as i'm if i'm running something locally so it's just the whole thing just feels clumsy and slow and it takes couple extra steps to even get getting started and see my changes so yeah um my criticism or my feedback around code catalyst would actually be to double down on cloud nine and make it into the just the great web-based ide that it that it could be that it that we always we were always hoping it would be and it never quite became um i think it's it's really it's really hard when you have competitors like um or to GitHub code spaces, which is VS Code in the browser. Uh, if there was a way that you you could almost well, VS Code itself is the the source is on is on GitHub. Um, you you okay. can clone the repository for for VS Code server and run it on your own EC2 instance. Perhaps perhaps there's something licensing wise that that mean that Amazon couldn't do that, but um, or whether it's a case of them not wanting to essentially um, throw away Cloud9. But, yeah, I think for for, for me, from, from what you've said, the, the only choice would have to be linking it with your local, your local IDE, especially when you have all of your, your plugins installed and everything is exactly how you like it. Maybe just just having that consistent the consistent compute backend behind it that the spaces in Code Catalyst give you is is enough to to accomplish what it needs to accomplish without having to go all the way and use use Cloud Nine in the browser. Yeah, that, that I mean for sure. I think that that all of that, even if you don't, even if even if you use uh, as you said. Visual Studio Code or some some other IDE locally, everything else in code in code catalyst, I think it really like, you know, that's like 90% of the dream of the cloud-based development dream becoming reality. So yeah, I mean again, I'm you know, I'm I'm being overly critical about Cloud9 here because I just feel like that you know that 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 if only that was up to scratch, then the rest that this, this is the dream, this is perfect. Having said that, as I said, honestly, Code Catalyst is incredible. I've been using it and really enjoying it, and I will, I will be a big proponent of it moving forward for other projects, both internally here and uh, at, at our company, as well as you know, in, in the public kind of serverless community. I will definitely be one of those who advocate for it because it's it, it really is great. It's great, and to think that it's only in preview and it's already so feature rich uh, like i mean i got started like i i started a project i uh, used one of the blueprints there and yeah i mean the, the experience was just really seamless uh, it's just really great the way it's the way it's all laid out and the way how easy it is to get started i think it's, it's quite reasonably priced as well i mean you, you look at the cost of uh you look at the cost of something like github and mm-hmm. github is 
seven eight dollars a month i think per user mm-hmm. um in their in their team's plan but i think code catalyst is four dollars a user a month um mm-hmm. and there's a generous and, free tier actually yes. so if you use yeah. it for something like a like a side project or or even a smaller project within a broader uh team or company you could in theory uh probably within a actual company it's a bit of a stretch but i think to an extent you could potentially try and get away with just never having to pay that money and even then it's not not a huge amount unless you are it's not a lot yeah yeah unless you are kind of i, I always view these things as the the value that tools can bring um should easily wipe out whatever they cost so yeah you look at you look at somebody's salary and you think well if i save them half an hour of the course for a month then how many times more than that four dollars is it um yeah and it's it's always easy to justify these little things definitely definitely yeah and i mean in the case of code catalyst i mean uh, really, you know, it doesn't just get away. It, it it doesn't just replace GitHub. It replaces something like potentially if you use it com- for every for your entire life cycle, which is the idea. Then it replaces something like Jira or or other mm. sort of tickets um, manager sort of platforms out there. Uh, and of course, it replaces something like well, Code Pipeline or if you use some other sort of CI/CD tool. It, it just replaces the whole it replaces so many different tools. Those $4 a month per user really aren't a lot. Makes you wonder how they, uh, how they make any money from it. But, um... <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. You, you, you pay for the resources anyway. I mean, the, the actual application that you're building is, is of course all fully hosted on AWS. And so yeah. you pay for that. Yeah. But, but yes, I mean, it is, I think it is, it is pretty good price wise. And why don't we then, move on to uh, the last uh, service that we want to talk about, which is Application Composer. And here, Absolutely. I believe you have some thoughts. I do have some thoughts on this one. Um, so I, I was was fortunate enough through the, the Community Builder program to be involved with the product team in the lead up to reInvent um, on Application Composer and not actually knowing it was Application Composer at that point. Um, just knowing that it was was some form of serverless visualization tool in AWS. So I, I had a couple of review and, and feedback sessions with them. I, I'm always a little bit a little bit hesitant and a little bit cautious when it comes to the kind of low code or no code type tools. However, I think that on on the whole, application composer does quite well. I think it's it's a good start. Uh, I think what would be really powerful is in future, if you're able to to do some more complex architectural work with it, maybe start implementing some uh, some network related things within it, rather than just kind of the the pure serverless services. Um, my my two criticisms: one is one which is incredibly picky, um, and I'm sure there's, there's a technical limitation around it which is that if you want to synchronize the application you're building in the browser with your local machine and see the SAM template be built in front of you, you have to use it in 
Chrome or Edge, uh, Firefox isn't supported. So it's incredibly picky, um, but it was was a criticism that I had. Um, maybe that will come with time. Maybe there is a uh, a hard limitation that means that it, it won't work. The the other one was that it's nice to be able to uh, export your application composer visualizations and designs to CloudFormation templates. Um, naturally, you can then go and run on your command line, SAM build, SAM deploy, use your SAM pipelines if you want to to build CI/CD pipelines and run them in that way. However, it'd be nice to do that from the console. Um, the, the way I've kind of seen it is if you're in the console to start with, then you've probably made, I think you've probably made a conscious choice not to start on the command line and doing text-based kind of infrastructure as code. Um, so it'd be nice to be able to design something and then say, okay, let's maybe this is where it would, would integrate with something like Code Catalyst to be able to say, I can design my my architecture in Application Composer. I can then send it to a project in Code Catalyst, add in my business logic using Cloud9, but hopefully the, the new and improved version of, of Cloud9, <laughs> and and then deploy it straight from there with, with pipelines created for you and have that full end-to-end experience. I, I like the fact that it's it's not a part of Code Catalyst in the sense that you have to use Code Catalyst to have it. Um, it's nice to have it as a separate thing, but I think okay. it would also be something that could be quite valuable inside that that package as well. Um, but that's really my only my only criticism. Um, I, I really like the idea that on the diagrams you can kind of group things together. It's nice to be able to from the the kind of the relatively light touch experiment I, I had with it. It felt like a, a well built tool. Yes. But there were just those little bits around the edges that I think perhaps could be nice next steps. Yeah, and I mean no that 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 makes a lot of sense. And I think the the the, the thing about being able to deploy directly from the console is it's actually a really great point. It had not occurred to me because, to be honest, where, where I thought you were going to go with that, um, and it's sort of the thing that I've been asking for, uh, is support for the CDK. So at the mm-hmm. moment, you can you can build you know a CloudFormation template or a SAM template, but if you use the CDK, obviously uh, that's 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 problematic. So that 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 was where I thought you were gonna go with that. It had not occurred to me that it, once you're in the console drawing your diagram in Application Composer, that you might actually want to click a button and see the thing deployed, even if mm. just to look at it. Uh, so that's. I mean, that, yeah, naturally there'd be no. You've, you've drawn out your API with your your Lambda functions, your DynamoDB tables, or whatever it is that's in your application. And that's all all good. Um, obviously, with with application composer at the moment, you wouldn't have any source code in that lambda function. But there's no reason why they couldn't deploy it with a a hello world type piece of source code, like you get in the the SAM templates when you yeah. you create a new project. And or perhaps they perhaps they could just let you point to an S3 bucket where you you keep your code. So just to be able to say I've designed it, what next? Like. I kind of still want to stay in the browser. I don't want to start diving into native applications or anything like that. It'd be nice just to take it from here is my design. I've now got some cloud formation. That's great. 
but how do I get this deployed in the, or not just how do I get this deployed, but how do I, how do I make this application my own in terms of this is what I need the Lambda functions to do. And then also how does it get deployed with best practice rather than just somebody running SAM build and SAM deploy um, from their local command line whenever something in production needs to be changed. Yeah, that, that that makes a lot of sense. Okay, well, we've this this has been a fantastic conversation. I've had a lot of fun, Alex. Um, so much to talk about. Um, so much to talk, talk about. Talk we could go hours. on for another couple hours. <laughs> and we've only gone through four services, really. Mm. We've we've made sure to inject it with lots of personal <laughs> opinions, but hopefully people will find it useful. And um, yeah, this this has been great, Alex. Just as we wrap up, where can people find out more about you and connect with you? Sure. Um, so all of my blogs get published to my website, which is alexkerns.co.uk, um, on Twitter as well, which is uh, at alex underscore kerns. Um, kerns is spelled K-E-A-R-N-S. Everyone always spells it wrong. So I thought I'd, thought I'd put that out there. Also, I'm in the, the community builders Slack as well. So if you're in there, please feel free to, to reach out and say hello. Always happy to chat anything and everything AWS. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Alex, thank you so much again. And thank you everyone for listening. And uh, please make sure to visit our website, theserverlessmindset.com to subscribe and receive in your inbox conversations like this, as well as weekly posts about serverless, AWS, and everything to do with cloud application development. Thank you so much again, and see you next time.